Unfortunately, the dichotomy between those who participate inside and those who view from the outside breaks down when considering the house, simply because no one ever sees that labyrinth in its entirety. Therefore, comprehension of its intricacies must always be derived from within. This not only applies to the house, but to the film itself. From the outset of the Navidson record, we are involved in a labyrinth, meandering from one celluloid cell to the next, trying to peek around in the next edit in hopes of finding a solution, a center, a sense of whole, only to discover another sequence leading in a completely different direction, a continually devolving discourse promising the possibility of discovery while all along dissolving into chaotic ambiguities too blurry to ever completely comprehend. Or in other words, like the house, the film itself captures us and prohibits us at the same time as it frees us to wander and so first misleads us, inevitably drawing us from the us, thus only in the end to lead us necessarily for where else should we have really gone? Back again to the us, and hence, back to ourselves. When the truth is found to be lies, and all the joy within you dies. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at Syncbook. It's Friday, February 28th, 2020, Leap Day in Japan. And tonight, the 42-minute seasonal book club will explore a house larger on the inside than it is on the outside. Yes, I'm referring to House of Leaves by Zampano, with introduction and notes by Johnny Truant. Years ago, when House of Leaves was first being passed around, it was nothing more than a badly bundled heap of paper parts of which would occasionally surface on the internet. No one could have anticipated the small but devoted following this terrifying story would soon command. Starting with an odd assortment of marginalized youth, musicians, tattoo artists, programmers, strippers, environmentalists, and adrenaline junkies. The book eventually made its way into the hands of an older generation who not only found themselves in those strangely arranged pages, but also discovered a way back into the lives of their estranged children. Now for the first time, this astonishing novel has is made available in book form, complete with the original colored words, vertical footnotes, and newly added second and third appendices. The story remains unchanged, focusing on a young family that moves into a small home on Ash Tree Lane where they discover something is terribly wrong. The house is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Of course, neither Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Will Navidson nor his companion Karen Green was prepared to face the consequences of that impossibility until the day their two little children wandered off and their voices eerily began to return another story of creature darkness, of an ever-growing abyss behind a closet door, and of that unholy growl which soon enough would tear through the walls and consume their dreams. House of Leaves, published in a full-color edition by Pantheon in March of 2000, was Mark Danielewski's first novel, written as an academic treatise by a blind shot in 
on a sensational documentary film which was later discovered and compiled with notes by a, by a young delinquent named Johnny Truant. Although Johnny may exist in our world, he is well aware that the film, the house, and the sensation do not exist in any way, shape, or form in our world outside the footnotes and history presented by Zampano, the blind dilettante academic. Many people have entered into the House of Leaves on Ash Tree Lane, but not all make it out. Tonight's small group can attest to both the difficulty of this work as well as the meaning. And so I say to you, this is not for you. How is everyone doing tonight? Excellent. Good, good. Good. Okay. Where do we begin with the House of Leaves? Uh, um, I love... Doug, your quotes at the beginning are always so great. Like you get right into the core of the matter. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if we want to start with that, you know. Um, Probably. The, the quote, so the quote that you read is referring to the house and comparing the house to the film. And then, but we could take one step back and that's what Danielowski wants us to do is the book itself is like, is the same thing. They're all the labyrinth, right? Right. Um, that the house of leaves is literally the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, lot but, like infinite just in that regard. Right. Do you think, um, do you, so like, I know that he conceived this idea about the time or maybe just a little before Infinite just came out. I wonder how much influence he was or he received from Infinite Jest. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I found a few references, I think, to Infinite Jest. Yeah, there was the um, thing about the guy with his head in a microwave. Yeah, that's the most obvious one. Um, and I think that that's pretty clear that that's what he's referring to there and then and then just the fact that uh it's all about a filmmaker like a crazy filmmaker who makes avant-garde films um like this really could be something out of the uh the footnotes of infinite jest his father it seems like there's not a ton known about him but i think his father taught film at uh, like USC or UCLA. So yeah, there's, he, there's something he, interesting in that, like, he's almost, it, there's a piece of him that's almost the Hal character from Infinite Jest. Yeah, exactly. And and his, um, his father had this film, I think, something about the history of Spain that was banned by the Spanish government. Like, it was, um, so he, he put out a, a documentary film um, that that was really controversial. Um, so it, yeah, it's strangely about uh, Danielowski and his family. Like, and, and his mother was an actress, um, or I think so. And uh, and then his sister was a is a poet songwriter. Um, she was really quite popular for just a minute in the late nineties, I think. Do you remember her? Or did, I didn't really know of her yeah, music before I, this. Yeah, I did because I think she had a couple 
hits, but then there was some kind of contractual thing. So the second album did not happen until like four years later. So it was like 96 that she was kind of blossoming. And then she had her second album that was uh, largely based on House of Leaves, I think, that came out in yeah. like 2000. Yeah, I was listening through that one. And it's, yeah, there's a lot on House of Leaves. It seems like the... Uh the band that he met in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, it sounds like they were singing songs off of her album or, or, or they were like, it, it's their songs, but it's actually, it's actually songs from her album. And by he, uh, you mean Johnny Truant kind of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that ties this whole book together. And I think this is one of the reasons why people, one of the reasons why I was so I just he he's such a polarizing figure. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it seems like like the book begins with this kind of ranty bit in uh, courier font, and you're just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> what did you think of Johnny Truant, Alex? It was my least favorite part. Uh, of the whole narrative uh, mostly just because it seemed it didn't it didn't really feel real to me like he seemed like a like a caricature of that sort of that sort of like I don't know what you'd call him he's like a he's like a cool hip drug addict guy who uh, I don't know it just I didn't really connect with the, the the whole the whole story I mean I liked the, the stuff about you know that he was doing in the with the book but but like his his, his whole uh, peregrinations around LA having sex with like thousands of women and which is like hard to uh, it just seemed fake you know uh, maybe that's intentional. Yeah, it seems like it is. Like a, because you find out from his, uh, um, like his other writings, like uh, the Pelican poems and and other things that you you find out that he, uh, like he went to Europe because he won a prize because of some literary essay that he put out. And then you read the uh, the Pelican poems, which are supposed to be his poems that he wrote with a Pelican pen while he was traveling around Europe. And uh, he's totally literary, you know, like he, he uh, so it's, it's like, like what you're saying, oh, the, the whole Johnny Truant stuff, he seems to be making a caricature of himself, um, which is why I think it sounds so fake. It, it, so I, I agree. I, I think it's an intentional that he's supposed to be like that. Um, like this, this kind of one dimensional character, but then you find out it's, he's not one-dimensional at all like this um yeah and that's the way the book like i you know as we're saying the book is supposed to be the labyrinth and in that sense like all of the characters the more you look into it the more you you feel that there is a thousand other different rooms that you haven't you know, haven't seen, um, yeah. 
you just have to keep going. And like, you know, admittedly, I've been somewhat busy and I haven't really been able to just dive into the thing. But I don't know if I really want to. Well, that's um, just it. All the rooms are the same and it's just kind of sterile. And I wonder if that isn't part of the... So I will say this. Um, I think he's created something beautiful. I think the object itself is a wonder. And so like when you're... Uh, oh, what chapter is it? You know, so like the Minotaur chapter with all the red print is is really pretty and I think he's doing something with the shape of the text like there's it looks like a key like I feel like that's intentional that there's a key there in the shape of the text mm. um, and then uh, but when you're crawling through the different boxes and you're spinning the book when you get into that into that rhythm it really is it's pleasant it's fun you know and so mm -hmm. I think he's created something that I would say is art, but I don't know if I can call this literature. Uh, yeah, I I would call it literature. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Like it, it's not. Um... Well, because I want more depth than what I think is there. So like, uh, the house is in Virginia, Ashtree Lane. This. So just to like to be explicit as possible, this is a book about a film written by a blind man and found <laughs> yes, by this yes. LA uh, this LA delinquent um, finds the the box of the pages of this book but the film isn't real and the guy compiling the book knows that the film isn't real but he's kind of sucked into it thinking that maybe it's real even he knows he knows it's not real um, shoot I, I lost what I was saying <laughs> oh yes the house the house the ashtree lane mm -hmm. house is in virginia so i was wondering if he isn't saying something about the united states that that somehow you know like is there <laughs> is there like some political thing or is this the the american family you know what is what is he saying with this work and all well, I, it's go ahead you got it um well the part about virginia like he, um there's a reference at some point where it, uh, he says that it's uh, the location of the house is probably in Jamestown colony, right? Um, and then he gets into the history of Jamestown, like the first, the first, the, the the first colony basically in the in the U.S. and how disastrous that ended up, you know, and uh, kind of the history of the colony and it. That part, it's it's a bit Lovecraftian, you know, like the uh, the sort of haunted land, you know. Um, in the sense the that, uh, well, there was the document somebody found about the stairs opening up. Yeah, that's right at that point um, when they're talking about uh, Jamestown. So that's happening at the same time, about sixteen ten or something. Um, but there's another. So there's a there's a reference to that, and then in in the weird little collages or or uh, or photos at the at the end, it talks about. There's a little section where it talks about uh, in. Um, in Washington State, somebody found these stairs going down into the depths of the earth, and and it was all, it it all got closed off after the explosion of Mount St. Helens. <laughs> so, like two two references to these uh, these stairs going into the underworld, um, and of course I, that it goes right back to Dante, like finding these these kind of passageway to the under underworld and. 
like Milton and Dante come into it right at the beginning. Abandon hope, all ye that enter here. Um, he also even touches on like hollow earth theory briefly. It, yeah, he, he brings it up and then dismisses it because even if it was a hollow earth, uh, it wouldn't account for like that, that, that one scene where this quarter is falling. Right. It just yeah. falls for sure. hours basically. And, and uh, it, that would only be possible if, if this passageway was was greater than the uh, like the whole the diameter, diameter of the of the earth. You know, it would have gone out the other side. <laughs> well, it becomes clear that the I think that the if it's whatever reality the the maze I'll call it has is it's a mental space. Um, yeah, it's psychological. Sort of twin peaksy, and I, that that thing that you just mentioned about the nor- the the Pacific Northwest kind of relates to that, like Lewis and Clark uh, secret history of Twin Peaks thing, um, where they find they on their expedition they find you know um, I don't know if they found an underground cavern, but they definitely find you know evidence of some sort of uh, well the the black and white lodges. Uh, which are also very similar to this labyrinth of House of Leaves, uh, sort of adjacent dimension where your soul can meet itself and get lost or, you know, that sort of thing. So very Twin Peaks. Yeah, so I was, I was wondering about that uh, that journey that they had, the, the, the car ride that they had on Mulholland Drive, and then they go off to this... Uh, basically this overlook you can overlook all of uh los angeles and that's <laughs> and that's where they uh they get together in the car but um isn't there a scene like that in the in the movie Mulholland drive like isn't doesn't that exact overlook appear in that movie or, or is that well it starts that movie that movie starts uh with the the, the lady is in a car crash driving on Mulholland Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. She does kind of, after the crash, come down off the mountain, you know, like <coughs> through the... Yeah, I know what you're saying. So I'm sure that that shot is, is in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember it clearly. Um, I haven't seen that movie for a long time. That came, that, out, that came out after this book. Was yeah, that came after. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing. Um, well, so on the very, very last page of the book, 709, there's a big period, and it says Yggdrasil. What miracle yeah. is this? The giant tree, it stands 10,000 feet high, but doesn't reach the ground. Still it stands, it roots must hold the sky. Oh. you know, So, like, he's playing with some kind of mythological underpinning, and part of that is the, it's like the supporting structure it, it, you know, so Yggdrasil was apparently an ash tree, and so when Davidson is taking his final, final journey, as, um, on the on the ten speed bike, which was kind of, I it revived my interest in the book. At that point, um, he eventually comes to the edge. It's like the the edge of everything. And so there's something with the tree or 
I, I don't know. So there's something interesting there, but I, I don't understand necessarily. Well, there's a whole section like, uh, remember when he's, uh, he's quoting Derrida, um, and, uh, Daniel Esky was a huge Derrida fan. Like he actually was in or helped produce a documentary on Derrida. Um, so there's, there's tons of Derrida in this, in this book. That's, that's the main thing about it. And, uh, so he mentions, he mentions a couple of, uh, of his essays of Derrida's essays in, in the book. And so I, I, I used to study Derrida. So I have, <laughs> I have them on myself. So I read them again and, uh, it explains a, a lot, I think of, of what he's trying to do. It's all about this idea of, um, the center, the lost center, or how the center can be uh, um, displaced from a structure, um, and how basically there's no uh, there's no center because you cannot place boundaries on any structure, including any text. Um, there's no there's no center to a text because the text always opens up to other texts, right? And so you're left with this this decentered field of texts. Like um, the other thing about that is the uh, is Borges, right? Like the uh, the the Library of Babel, which is that's a huge thing in this book too. Um, so the house of the house of leaves um, is also the house of livres, like the the house of books, and so it includes all all books, all literature. Um, course the leaves are the pages yeah yeah so it, it's it's one it's one book the book of leaves the book of all the pages in the book but it's also the book of levers which is which are all the books um which he's talking about the library of babel like borges is all the way through he is his picture borges picture is even in one of the collages at the back um <laughs> but uh and so it's 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 you remember in the in the library of babel um you have these spiral staircases in each of the hexagonal rooms. Um, and that's one of the, the biggest features of the, the house's labyrinth is, is a spiral staircase. Um, okay. But, uh, well, then the reason why I got so angry at it is because it's so involved with its footnotes and making up all these different citations so you know it really goes out of its way but you know you know that it's not real except some of the some of the citations are real you know that's the that's the hard part about it but okay the, the citations are real referring to your livres but the ones where they're citing you know different academic discussions about the Navidson record the 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 film all of that is just it's it's all BS just like Johnny Truant it's just all not it's just all it's like why are we bothering there's so much um except it, it it's all about a it's all about a like a film that doesn't exist and all this commentary on the film and so it's it's all it's all this and then a guy finding finding these documents, right? And so it's all this multi-layered set of things that we can't ever get to the bottom of it, right? And so 
the actual book. So that's um, really interesting because I just the book watched... reproduces the labyrinth, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just rewatched a serious man because I was sick last week. And a that, serious man. Yeah, have you ever seen that Coen yeah, Brother film? Yeah, that's a that's a great one. It really is so good because you can't like it only asks questions and there are no answers. Yeah. Like it it's just so but like that is that you know like the guy says embrace the mystery. Or maybe it's not embrace, it's just accept the mystery. And with yes. with House of Leaves, I don't know if it's you're right. So the mystery is is that you so that's interesting like from the, the like we put infinite jest on one side and this on another i feel like i would find more discoveries where i'd spend more time with infinite jest with this i don't i don't know you know i i i've been finding way more with this like not not to say uh i i still like infinite jest better as, sure. a, as a book you know but uh but there's so much there's so much depth to this like he's so ambitious you know like he, he he wrote this over 10 years and he's trying to throw everything into it um well he did he did he ends did. up throwing everything into it um and it all it all interconnects all this all this literary references and theories they all interconnect um and uh i you can get deeper and deeper into it you know i don't uh like did you, 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 Alex? You must have caught the Kubrick stuff, right? Oh yeah, sure. But did like you go right. to? Uh, have you got your book? Yeah. Go to. This is, I, I thought of you, and so I tried this. Go to two three seven, page two two three seven. The room. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that too. I yeah. Forgot. Yeah. <laughs> there was a couple other two two thirty sevens in there too, which I didn't. I don't really remember, but. Um, like this one is obvious. That's the only thing written on the page. Yeah, yeah, it's true, and that's. Oh. I mean, you know he's, you know that's intentional. Well, Kubrick's in the book. Yeah, yeah, he is. And Ku I like how Kubrick, because she the, the context being, that it's a uh, Karen's, Karen's movie about the movie, where yeah. she supposedly, interviews all of these various different cultural luminaries like Susan well not Susan uh, Camille Paglia and and all of them are hitting on her um, which yeah, is sort of yeah. amusing but then she interviews Kubrick and he's the only one that seems to think he's like that realizes that it all ha it all really happened he's like but uh, and and Stephen King also yeah of course Kubrick and yeah. King right yeah which is interesting because that's what I'm this Kubrick and King connection is something I've been mining the past few months. Um, but I did like, yeah, I did like Kubrick, his, his, uh, his imitation of, of a hypothetical Kubrick um, talking about it is, I don't know. It works. He's pretty good with all of those. Like he's like Harold Bloom and, and yeah, the Harold Bloom is funny. And the, and the, uh, Hunter S. Thompson is funny too. That's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the L Lenny Bruce um, imitation in Underworld. It's true. Not not quite as good, but uh, um, 
But then I looked up, uh, so I, that thing on 237, so I thought, oh, what's on 666? And then you go to 666, and it's the indexed. But what's in the index is uh, Beast. <laughs> so, of course, of course, Beast has to appear. And Bear. 666, <laughs> yeah. Bear is next to Beast. Well, so speaking of Beast, like in in the Labyrinth, you know, and that they make a big fuss of the, the Minotaur, right? And I, I forget if I listened to this on an interview or if that was in the the text, but so instead of instead of the the monster and the labyrinth being a monster, what if it was like a deformed child that the king was trying to hide? Yeah. And so then I guess at the very end I started to, to think that maybe maybe the monster, the Minotaur this this horrible thing is you know the is Johnny, like he's the he's the thing at the heart of the labyrinth. Well, that's yeah, it gets really weird like that. Like um, if you uh, go to the uh, go to the indexes at the back or the appendix uh, appendices at the back, and um, you get to Zampano's notes and. Just trying to find it. One of, one of his notes. Uh, it's from. Let me see. It's just right here. It's from. Uh, yeah, it's from September twenty first, nineteen seventy. Right. So this is Zampano, and he says, "Perhaps in the margins of darkness, I could create a son who is not missing, who lives beyond even my own imagination and invention, whose lusts, stupidities, and strengths carry him farther than even he or I can anticipate, who sees the world for what it is, and consequently bears the burden of everyone's tomorrow with an unprecedented wisdom and honor, because he is one one of the very few who has successfully interrogated his own nature." Um, but anyways, this little note, September 21st, 1970, he's talking about creating a son. This is nine months before uh, Johnny's birthday, which is June the 21st, 1971. Um, so you get, there's this weird thing that is Zampano really Johnny's father? Um, and then there's a... Uh, so Okay, so just to, just to back it up a bit too, it's like... Uh, so. Johnny Truant is born June 21st, 1971. That means right now, if he was still alive, he'd be 48 years old, which is weird because uh, Navidson and his brother Tom and Holloway are all 48 um, in the other part of the story. So it's, it's kind of a weird coincidence that we're doing it right now. That's good. Um, but... Uh, but that's weird too, like that that he. So you have uh, you have uh, Navidson and his brother Tom, and then there's this talk all the way through of the twins, right? Like Jacob right. and es Esau come come up, and then you have Holloway, who's also 48, and he's sort of the uh, the rival of Navidson. Um, and there's one little commentator who says he uh, um, Holloway as the hunter is the real Esau, so it's. It's kind of Navidson and his his good twin, and Navidson and his bad twin um, uh, appearing at once. So I, I, I don't know. I, I got I, I got freaked out by this book because because I'm 
I, I was born in 1971. <laughs> I'm the same <laughs> age as, as Johnny Truant. Um, the same age as these guys during the story. And uh, Navidson had, had his first kid at the age of 40, and so did I. You know, it's going to freak me out, this whole thing. You're September 13th, is that right? Yeah. 71? Yeah, and that's, that's the day uh, Neo was apparently born. So, so Johnny, right. Truant is, Johnny Truant is the is, uh, same year as Neo. He could, be, he could be another Neo figure, you know. Um, and I was Matrix. thinking as you were talking that Johnny Truant is sort of a like a homunculus, uh, sort of created, not necessarily a literal child, but like a literary, um, <laughs> like born of the text, in a in a way, if that well, makes he- any sense. Yeah, he says that. He says that throughout too. He's, he, there's a couple times where he's saying, "How how am I writing this stuff? Where does this stuff come from?" And then one time he's like, "I think Zampano and everybody, Zampano and me and this whole story has been created by somebody else." You know, uh-huh. which he he must be talking about Danielowski, right? But uh, Danielowski or Lovski or I've I've uh, heard him pronounced lots of ways. Danielewski. Yeah. Levski. So I've been, I, I went on that uh, forum. Uh, so I've been spending time on that forum, which is a lot of great stuff there. Like people have been looking into this stuff since it came out. Um, but uh, there's weird stuff. Like the on if you start on page uh, 22, which is significant too, um, and you look at the uh, the footnote. On page 20, Are 22. these the ones with the checks? No, this is before that. But So the first footnote on page 22 starts with M. Next one starts with A. Next one starts with R. Next one starts with K. Next one starts with Z. <laughs> and then it continues. So it's his name, yeah? So uh, that's the only time in the text. So you, so you get, if you go all the way through, it ends quite a few pages later but you get his his entire name mark z uh danielowski um because the uh this is something i got from some youtube video about this is that the uh the very first page in this book which is the page of uh um reviews from newspapers and then it says on the opposite side of the page it said mark z danielowski's that whole page, it's it's meant you can rip it out so easily, and so that doesn't even exist in the in the book. It's like this is it's a uh, it's bound so that it can be ripped out, and therefore his name would not appear in the book at all. <laughs> huh. So then it would just be House of Leaves by Zampano with introduction and notes by Johnny Truant. Um, so, so then the only the only place where his name actually appears is in, in these uh, just the first letter of all these footnotes, um, which is which is the code that Pelafina, uh, Johnny Trone's mother, introduces to him in in her letters at the end. Um, just looking at every every first letter of uh, of of different words and then and then coming up with a different message because of that 
Well, so I I thought about that a little bit. So it seems like with his footnotes, there's a convention that's pretty normalized until it's not, where you get these like boxes or asterisks or different things. And I wonder if if he's attaching meaning to the numbers and the footnote, like he knows that he wants, you know, 117 to be this footnote, say, and that um, he needs another footnote. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's like he, he still needs his intentionality, but he has to get a little looser so that he can attach meaning or freight things with meaning. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like he, uh, there, there's this one, um, blog I looked at too, which goes through the whole book chapter by chapter and talking about that one crazy chapter, I think it's chapter 10, um, where it has all the, uh, it's basically the labyrinth itself, right? Yeah. But this guy, this guy has gone through that chapter and he finds, I, I forget, like more than 30 different ways you can go through that chapter, <laughs> like follow, follow through it. Interesting. Um, 30, I, I, I don't know if it's 33, but I thought at one point that that's how many he came up with. Um, the, 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 the other thing I was thinking of is, is, um, uh, like you read right at the beginning of this, that, um, chapter 21 was not included in the original edition. So therefore it had, I think like the original has, edition was just BS. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so so apparently the chapter twenty one didn't exist because most of chapter twenty one is is just Johnny Truant's account. There's nothing. There's a quote at the beginning, and that's it from Zampano. If the quote is from him, but uh, so that would mean that there are there are actually twenty two chapters in the book, and uh, I was thinking it it maps onto the tarot. You know, um, there's a couple of references where Karen is playing with the, the tarot in the book. Um, yeah, and there's Kabbalistic stuff too, like the uh, um, Zampano. Uh, um, one of his readers comes to work with him, and she finds out that Zampano can just recite all this Hebrew stuff just from memory. Um, so you get the you get the feeling that he's some sort of capitalist or something. Um, but but the book really works. I think it it, it plays with. The number is 22 and 23, you know, which makes sense. I love that you're, you have, you really dug in here to the labyrinth um, where the, Doug and I are just sort of like skirting around the edges. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. sort of thinking like, I... I admire this book more than I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a, like as a, I can see that there, and and just reading it, I knew that there, there's there's just so much that has gone into this, but it still feels just sort of sterile. And then again, yeah. I think, well, it, the book is constructed such that, like, every time you think that you have a feeling about it. You think, well, maybe it's supposed to like feel that way. Like that's part of it. Um, which is kind of brilliant, uh, kind of a brilliant way to like, I don't, I don't feel like uh, while we're comparing it to infinite jest, he's not 
like as good as a, on the level of like a sent the sentence and prose. He's just not not that great of a yeah. writer. Yeah, like as in terms of literature like that, um, yeah, no, no. I, I would like to, I would like to read his other stuff to find out how good of a writer he actually is, because you, you can't really tell from this book. Yeah, because, true. It's true. Because he's writing, one part of it is an academic treatise, and yeah. as an academic treatise, it's 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 well written, I suppose. Yeah. And then the other thing is this this sort of diary entry of this. This kind of L.A. delinquent, as you guys said, you know. So it, both of those he does really well, and then the and then the letters at the back by his mother. Um, so that's all done. It's all written really realistically. Um, so yeah, that's what I felt too. It's hard. It's hard to know like how much, uh, um, how good a writer he actually is. Like. Uh, he get he nails those things, you know. So so yes. maybe maybe he is a great writer, you know. Um, like I don't know if he could write prose in the same way as uh, as David Foster Wallace or anybody, but uh, um, what what he's doing in the book, he he nails. He gets it. He does he it does. well.
Yeah.